Hello and welcome to Football Avenue. This is the podcast where we take a look at all of the biggest games that have been going on in the past week and voice our opinions on goals, players, and controversial referee calls. We are your hosts, Agustin and Rafa, and today we are joined by our first ever special guest, Luca Perasso. Luca, how are you doing? I'm good, uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Today's podcast will be a summary of the summer transfers and a summary of the first match weeks of the top leagues in Europe, starting with Ligue 1 going into the Bundesliga, then La Liga, over to the Premier League, and finally Serie A. The first of Europe's top five leagues to have started was Ligue 1, and France had some exciting games between Bordeaux and Lyon with a tie. Lille and Rene had some big games where they tied as well. Lyon t- uh, won 4-1 against Dijon, but I think the shocking of France's first few games was Lens vs. PSG, where the Parisians lost 1-0 in their first game of Ligue 1. People around the world were shocked, especially PSG fans, after coming off uh, a runners-up in the Champions League. So having lost to Lens was a shocking, shocking revelation because, you know, it's not a very well-known team in Ligue 1. Yeah, the only thing was that PSG came out with more like a bench and reserves team. Uh, the only players that they had from the starting team was um, Bernat, Kimpembe, and Kurzawa, uh, also Herrera and Verratti, and Sarabia. The rest were all substitute players and reserves players. Uh, but nonetheless, we're talking about PSG. We're talking about one of the best um, teams in the world. And you'd think that they would have at least scored, I don't know, I don't know two, three goals uh, but in this case, they didn't, and they ended up losing 1-0. Right, right, but when you look at that front three, it's not a known front three at all. I mean, some of these guys I've never heard of. Pablo Sarabia, maybe you expect more from him. Verratti, maybe some more in the midfield. But Neymar and Mbappe aren't there. Icardi's not there. In the back line, Marquinhos isn't there. I mean, in goal, there's no no Navas. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking... It's not a very big shock. I, I guess PSG maybe were looking to rest players, think that this would be an easy game. But when it comes to the first first game of, of the league, you want to make it as secure as possible. Make sure that, that you know everybody else in the league knows you're there and that you're not playing around. Uh, one, of the ne- one of PSG's next games was against Marseille, and again they lost 1-0. Thaubin got the only goal in the 31st minute, but I think the biggest... Highlight of this match was the five red cards at the very end of the match. Um, what led to this was Argentine defender Alvaro uh, supposedly made an alleged uh, racial insult towards Neymar Jr., in which Neymar retaliated and attacked uh, Alvaro, ended up you know, hitting him across the head. There was a big mess and a big fight uh, in the middle of the pitch with the referee having to send off five players. But after that, there's been a whole investigation with um, with uh, French professional lip readers looking into what Alvaro said towards Neymar, what Neymar responded to him, and it's been a big scandal. And I can't help but think Neymar's been a big part of a few scandals um, throughout his years as PSG, and usually he's been, you know, to blame. I can't help but think if this isn't Neymar's fault. Maybe this time Alvaro's had some has had some, um, already had some problems earlier in his career with other teams, but I can't help but think Neymar was in the right in this, and we know we've seen some leagues, especially Serie A, 
not taking care of racial abuse as well as they should be. Is this another one of those problems? I think that um, the French League has to punish the fans uh, that are saying this stuff, the fans and the players that are saying these racial comments, because it's just not wrong, especially in the world that we're living now. All the stuff that's happening around the world, and I think this just made it worse. Well, I've looked at some of the videos that people have um, come out come out with on YouTube with uh, and the French um, professional uh, lip readers, and some of the stuff that Alvaro um, said, or at least what the French um, lip readers are saying, was very racist. And I think that uh, Ligun really should take responsibility, look into uh, into this investigation to punish and put an end to the to the racial abuse that has that has been going on in in their league. Um, moving on to the Bundesliga. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Bayern and about um, Dortmund. Bayern have won five trophies in the 2019-2020 season, including the Bundesliga, the German Super Cup, the Champions League, the UEFA Super Cup, and the League Cup. Yeah, that's they're, they're five com- trophies. That's a lot. They're coming close to Pep Guardiola's record with yeah. Barcelona. I think the sextuple. Yeah, I can't remember what year it was, but six trophies. And honestly, I'm not surprised with the, with the team that they've built. It's not just stars, but like homebred talent and and a ton of really good players with a ton of depth everywhere. I think the team has a really really good chemistry, and um, I think that they work well together. Yeah, and meanwhile, I mean, they've won five trophies, but uh, surprisingly, on uh, match week two, I believe they lost four one to Hoffenheim. That was the first time they lost. Since December of 2019. Uh, can't remember who scored. It was Gremerich, Hoffenheim's main man, got two goals. Joshua Kimmich tried, uh, got one back for Bayern, but 4-1 for Hoffenheim. Peep, I was shocked. I, I thought this Bayern Munich team was almost unstoppable. I was just so used to them winning and winning and winning. Uh, no Robert Lewandowski. Obviously, Thiago had left, so Dolisio, uh went in for him. But other than that, it was a really strong team. I mean, it was a normal starting eleven. It was it was really a normal starting eleven, and I was shocked that they lost four one. Yeah, I mean, they were playing Leroy Sané and Navri and Muller, so those are guys that get a lot of goals. Yeah, I mean, Robert Lewandowski did come in uh, later in the game, but just like just, I agree with both of you guys, uh, I I did think that uh, Bayern should have beat this team pretty pretty easily. Yeah. I um, guess. Maybe maybe the transfers were too late. Uh, it's it's definitely maybe too too late. But it was it was a shocking game. I, another team that have been they they lost their game two nil Dortmund. They lost against Augsburg, but they're looking very promising. Their team is such such a talented team with youngsters all around. Erling Holland, one of the most obvious ones. Another obvious one, Jaden Sancho. Uh, you know, and and Gio Reyna from from the United States. These guys are looking promising with with really good potential. Yeah, I think these guys, if they have the right people to develop them, they can become potential superstars. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what you know, speaking of Gio Reyna, I was I'm looking forward, Rafa and, and Luca, to this US men's national team in in a few years time. 
with Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, you know, players like Weston McKennie at Juventus, Serginho Dest, right, who left uh, now to Barcelona. Like, these are all some young, talented guys who, if they, they, when they play for the national teams, can get, like, really, really good results. I think, I think this team is looking better than Mexico's team in the future. Honestly, I think the problem with the U.S. men's national team was that they had too many old players. Right. They didn't have enough young uh, players, uh, except maybe Christian Pulisic. Bobby Wood was good at one point, but he he just didn't shine like everyone thought he would. But I agree with you. These um these upcoming U.S. national team uh, players are looking looking really promising, just like um just like Dortmund looking really promising yeah. with these young players. Absolutely. Um, yeah. now into La Liga. This had many interesting games, many yeah. good transfers. Uh, the first game that we want to talk about is Real Madrid versus Real Sociedad. A uh, bad start for the reigning champions. Uh, they they drew 0-0 to Real Sociedad, who did get um, David Silva from Manchester City to join the team uh, over the summer. And I think uh, he was one of the... Uh, key players in this game. Yeah, he ended up uh, coming off the bench for, I believe it was Guevara. But this 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 Real Madrid team, it has a mix of, of young and old, you know, veterans and promising players. Vinicius Jr. has had actually really a strong, strong start to his uh, La Liga. I think he's had, I think, a goal in his past two games, in each of his past two games. Um, Martin Odegaard actually started for Real Madrid, something I found pretty shocking. Rodrigo as well. Um, and then, you know, mix of, of veterans like Toni Cruz, Luka Modric, obviously Sergio Ramos and, and Varane. But I'm not going to lie, I expected more from the reigning champions. The, Mad- the Los Blancos really let me down there. I thought they would I thought they would clean up Real Sociedad, but perks to them, perks to Sociedad. They, they've picked up a strong team. With player with strong players like Porto and Oyarzabal. Now the next game that we want to talk about also has to do with Real Madrid, uh, Real Betis versus mm. Real Madrid in the match week three. This was a very tight game. Uh, had controversial red card and uh, controversial referee call in the game, and also the winning uh, goal was a penalty for Real Madrid. Now personally, I really like Real Betis. And I really think that they got robbed of a win, maybe maybe, maybe just a tie, um, because I think that this penalty really should not have should not have counted. Uh, what do you think, Luca? I think, uh, yeah, may, uh, yeah, I think that penalty shouldn't have counted. I think it was a wrong call. And with all the technology they have today, if it was a wrong call, they should have found it. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, VAR is there to help the referee, not the other way around. I think... At the end of the day, it's down to the referee. The decision he makes is final. If VAR sees that the referee has made an obvious error, I think they should tell him. They should, you know, send him to go look at the screen himself and maybe overturn his decision. But the red card, first and foremost, it was out of the box. That was one thing that was being uh, looked at, whether it was in or outside of the box. Second of all, what what was being argued was that he was the last man, but really he, I I saw the play and I believe he got the ball. I thought he he got the ball. Jovic managed to get the shot off, 
and it was blocked by the keeper. So I don't, I don't see how that, you know, helped helped Madrid's case. Um, it was shown on the screen earlier that before the whole play was even was even, you know the foul was even committed, um, that Jovic was offside on the pass. I don't know if VAR saw it differently, but on the screen that I saw, it was it was the Jovic was offside on the pass. So if you're gonna go back and review it, you have to go review everything. You have to start from the play, from exactly. the first pass of the play, whether it's a counterattack, whether you it's... can't just pick bits and pieces that go with what your decision was. And then on the penalty, it was this Luca. This this handball rule has got me very confused because in some instances it's called, in some instances it's not. Like some some referees decide the moment it hits your hand, that's a foul, whether wherever it is. Others are saying, you know, if it's stuck to your body, if it's unintentional, if you're falling, it's not. So, in this case, Mark Bartra was falling down, his arm was extended, the ball was kicked at his hand, and it was called a penalty. What, what do you think? I think it was a very controversial call, and I think he should have reviewed that one. The referee should have reviewed that one. But I think referees in all the all the top five leagues are very ups and downs with that hand yeah, rule. The Champions League as well. I think some people have to put it together, a board or something, and find out how that rule is showed. Well, I completely agree. I think this is up to FIFA. Yeah. I think that they need to come together, the, the top people for each league, the referees, they need to come together. They need to decide on, a, on one specific rule that has to be called every single time because this is ruining games. I mean, the before this before this rule was made, you know, if it was if it was just... A deflection off off of the off of a shot and it hit the arm or the shoulder. Nothing's called. I mean, of course, we've seen Luis Suarez in the 2010 um, World Cup. He uh, one of the um, I forget who it was. Was it Nigeria? I think it was South Africa. Or South Africa. Um, uh, one of the players got the shot and he hit it with his hand on purpose. Of course, That's he was obvious. he was yeah. sent off red card as it should have been because it was it was on purpose. And then we see. Um, uh, some other play where, uh, yeah, some some player heads the ball and it comes off of some of his teammate's hand or something unintentional. The player can't get out of the way, goes in, and then the referee takes it off. I mean, this has this has got to be a regular call for every single league for every single game. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's time, going so. to be there's going to be some outlier. There's going to be some instance where the referee misses it. Or where the referee uh, thinks that it's a handball when it's not. Of course, there's going to be some of those. But the fact that it's happened to Real Madrid after an offside that wasn't called. I mean, it. We've we've seen some scandals before for Real Madrid. I'm not saying that the referees are always going to call um, uh, decisions for Real Madrid, but I mean, it's it's getting kind of out of hand. Yeah, and and you know, moving just past. Only the handball rules, but like another controversial thing that's been going on is the offsides rule, which is, yeah, I mean, the offsides has been going on since the game has been created, and now with VAR, it's caused so many disallowed goals and some instances where goals should be disallowed and aren't. So I'm just, I just think FIFA needs to get a board together. They need to look at the top leagues. Uh, no, not not even just the top leagues, just leagues everywhere around the world and need to look and make a, an executive decision as to what is going to happen, what that is, and 
and the rules have to be set in stone. Yeah, I think they have to set them in stone. And I think referees, I think VAR is kind of half ruining the game. Is it? Yeah. I thought VAR was... I mean, I, I don't completely agree. I don't disagree completely either. I, I think VAR is good for mistakes on the referee's part. I think it's good for maybe some things that the referees don't see, like a like a foul when the referee isn't looking. But I think at the end of the day, the decision is the referee's to make. And the, his his call is final. Well, I, I, I think that the referees need to be trained better. I think there's going. I think there needs to be more uh, communication between VAR, yeah. the the linesman, and the main referee, and I think I think there just needs to be more communication. I think that's what's lacked right now in the top leagues, and I think that if we get more communication, if uh, the referees are more consistent, I think we're going to see uh, an even better uh, form of the beautiful game that we're. That we've seen in a long yeah. time. Yeah. Well, moving past uh, VAR, there was another exciting game in La Liga. This one between Atlético de Madrid and Granada, and the final scoreline was six to one. Joao Felix got a few assists. I believe it was two assists and a goal. So that was a very good play uh, game for the young Portuguese man. But I think the highlight and and the man everybody was looking at, Barca's third time all goals all time goal scorer. Made the free tra uh, the transfer from Barca to Atlético Madrid, Mr. Luis Suarez himself. Two goals on debut, an assist. It was it was impressive from the Uruguayan. Yeah, I mean I've always loved how this guy plays, and he's just a true to the heart striker. Yeah. If absolutely. he sees an open goal, he's gonna shoot it. There's no question. Well, I I think this was a mistake from the Barcelona directive. Uh, people at home, if you know me personally, you know that I've spoken, I've probably spoken to you about the Barcelona directive, how I really do not like it. I mean, they, they, we'll talk about the transfers later on, but just for right now, they made a terrible mistake in letting go of Luis Suarez to one of the most dangerous clubs Dangerous, I don't mean violent. Dangerous, I mean clubs that will... One of the most competitive. One of the most competitive. I mean, they're competing with them for, for Champions League exactly. spots. For and, Champions and League spots. To win La Liga. For La Liga. For the... Uh, uh, Domestic Cups and for, everything. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean that, they, that was a, they literally compete a with, mistake, with them yeah. for everyone. Not to mention, they're under Diego Simeone, one of the best managers in the world. Yeah. And I mean... Atletico de Madrid was a hard team to beat when they had Luis Suarez. Imagine how hard it's it's going to be for Barcelona to beat them now without, without Suarez, without Rakitic, without Vidal, all those people that Barcelona let go. And of course, we'll talk about the transfers later. But I mean, it's it's just really annoying, I guess. So I think Barcelona's directive is trying to move on from because Suarez is getting up there in age. I think it's still a bad mistake, but I think they're trying to get younger players and trying to build for the future. Right, but there, you have to have uh, a mix of both because yeah. age, age is. Lots of people say age is just a number, you know. Yeah. Slatan Ibrahimovic, uh, starting off his Milan season, two goals. He's, he turned thirty-nine yesterday. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, I believe, he turned thirty-six uh, this year. Are still turning it up for for City. Yeah, you know, age 
age definitely has something to do with uh, maybe dropping off in level after you get too old, but I think you have to have a good mix of players. And it, there's there's a difference between rebuilding and getting rid of all your best players to bring in completely new ones. Well, I do have to agree with you on that. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that Byron has been doing so good, just because they have Absolutely. a mix of old players. May Neuer could be up there as an old player. Moeller. Moeller. Even Lewandowski is getting... Getting kind of old, and then they have young players: Sane, um, Kimmich, Kimmich, Davies, Nabry, Nabry. I mean, and then they have the the in between ones. They have um, Goretzka, uh, Alaba. Yeah, exactly, Teriso, I mean, exactly, exactly. So I mean, they have they have the perfect balance. I mean, they had Thiago too. Thiago was maybe uh, around the middle to older age, so they had a beautiful mix of players, and I think. I do agree with you that Barcelona had too many old players. They're trying to get rid of them. But they're they're getting rid of them really fast. Anyway, really off track. Uh, Luis Suarez had uh, came off of the bench uh, towards the end of the game. I think around the 70th minute. Yeah. Uh, he came in two minutes. Or maybe the 80. No, he, he came out on the 70th minute. Assisted uh -huh. Marcos Llorente in the 72nd. Two minutes in. And then went on to finish the game, scoring in the 85th and the 90th plus three in added time. Um, speaking of Barcelona, they played their first game of La Liga against Villarreal. It was a good game. Everybody had their eyes on youngster Ansu Fati, who officially signed his contact, contract to the first team and got two goals in his uh, La Liga 2020-2021 debut. Messi got a penalty and... Um, he attributed it to Luis Suarez doing a celebration like his best friend. Uh, and Barca won 4-0. What do you have to say about this game? Uh, well, Ansu Fati is just a kid. He's 17 years old, and he's already rocking it in La Liga. Yeah. I mean, he is just going off. Uh, I've talked to you, Dean and Luca, that I think he'll be the next Neymar. Maybe... Mm -hmm. Not to the same skill level as in um, techers, techers and stuff. But he's his, he's own, his own player. player. Yeah. He's and just he's just going to be, in my opinion, he's going to be one of the greats. I mean, I mean, this is how this is how Messi this started is how out. Messi this started, is how yeah. Ronaldo started out. This is how Neymar started out. Just rocking it in the big leagues. That's exactly so, what I was going to say. I, I, you know, this is what, how Messi started out. This is Everybody saw a promising guy from Argentina, a little boy. And, and he rocked it in his first early games, immediately got a national team call-up. This guy, Ansu Fati, a national team call-up at 17 years old, the youngest, and scored a goal. The youngest ever goal scorer for Spain. Like, he's, he's going crazy. I think uh, Messi was, like, very special, and I think this guy is very special in his own way. I mean, he started off in one of the best teams in Europe, and he's already banging in goals. It's insane. Absolutely. It's absolutely insane. Well, La Liga is looking promising, but I think one of the biggest leagues, if not the biggest league in the world, the English Premier League. And this was kicked off by uh, Arsenal FC versus newly promoted side Fulham. Luca? Um, well, I'm an Arsenal fan myself, and I was very happy because I feel like Arsenal, with their new signings, they spent quite a lot of money over the summer, and I think they spent it on the right people. Uh... Debutant Gabriel banged in a goal, and we yeah. beat Fulham by three. And um, Aubameyang and Lacazette showing that amazing dynamic duo, 
chemistry and both getting a goal. Honestly, it was a very exciting game for Arsenal fans around the world. I'm an, I'm an Arsenal fan myself, and I thought I was very, very uh, impressed by Willian's debut. He got two assists. Like you said, um, defender Gabriel on his on his debut got a goal. So this Arsenal team, what was lacking in defense, maybe hasn't completely put it together, but I think they're getting there. They're get, they've got a strong back line. If Aubameyang keeps with his consistency that we saw from last season, he could he could this Arsenal team. I genuinely think could win a Champions League spot. I definitely agree with you. Uh, definitely, I think they'll reach Champions League spot. And uh, I, I, I completely agree. This Arsenal that we're seeing now, right now, to where we are in the league, is a completely different Arsenal than what we've seen in the past two, three years. Absolutely. I mean, they finally found the rhythm, and they're doing really great right now. And you gotta give, another, you gotta um, give perks to Mikel Arteta. He, he completely yeah. changed the squad. He he picked it up from Unai Emery and Freddie Lundberg's uh, you know reign of terror, if you will, where where they had Arsenal players and Arsenal fans uh, unhappy with the club, and and this Arsenal team is a whole new other team. But another team I know, Luca, you are very excited about is this Leeds United team. Yeah, I mean, um, from Argentina, and Bielsa is one of my favorite coaches. Absolutely. He's very smart. He knows what he's doing. And um, Leeds came in, and they were looking very confident. They put up a good game against Liverpool, who are looking very shaky as of the moment. And Mohamed Salah doing, you know, what he does best. Getting himself a hat trick. A hat trick. They were all penalties, I believe. And uh, Van Dyke. yes. Yeah, two penalties. And Van Dyke hitting a beautiful header. But I think they're playing like, a, let's say, budget Barcelona. They're passing it around. Yeah. They're getting into open spaces. Absolutely. And I think they're just, they're really good. You know, um, I was impressed, first and foremost, of Jack Harrison's goal, where he picked it up, dribbled by Alexander-Arnold, and that finish was exquisite. Yeah. But I'm also, throughout not only Liverpool's game, but also the game against Fulham, against Manchester City, uh, Patrick Bamford, he's he's done really well. Uh, I do think that Leeds should have won this game. They were definitely deserving of the win. They do they did everything right, especially against the reigning champions Liverpool. I I think that Liverpool should not have won that game. I think the if it weren't for the penalties, there was there was no way Liverpool was winning that. I I think they're really off rhythm. Their uh maybe their mindset is off, maybe it has something to do with um the players or something. I I don't know, but I really did think that um yeah I mean Leeds United should have won this, especially but, after coming from relegation. Absolutely, and Leeds and Leeds turned it around. Uh, in their next game against Fulham, they won four three again, but this time it was in their favor. Uh, an, another really good performance from Bielsa's side. Like you said, they were. They were passing the ball well. They were moving into space, and I'm really looking forward to this to see how this team develops in the Premier League. And really, I'm hoping to see them stay because it's been a while since they've been in the Premier League. And I think with time, they can they can set themselves as a top ten, maybe a Europa League fighting side. But one team that I am so excited it's it's like Leicester City in 2015 all over again. It's Everton. Carnotelotti. <laughs> Back at the helm, and and he's made some incredible signings. Alan from Napoli, that was a big one. Ducure from Watford, but I think the big one that everybody's it's been on everybody's minds 
that everyone's been talking about, it's James Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, James Rodriguez um, wasn't getting any playing time at Real Madrid. Zidane did not like the way he played and maybe his attitude, but we don't know the behind the scenes. He played okay at Bayern, but I think he never reached his full potential. I think at Everton, he can make that team a borderline Europa League to Champions League, maybe in title contenders. This this is a whole other side of, of James Rodriguez that we haven't seen since maybe the 2014 World Cup. He's... He's performing well. He's controlling the midfield. He's getting assists and goals, and and he's playing well alongside his players. Like he's been getting along. His fellow Colombian Jerry Mina, but uh, he and and another player from Everton that's that's really been getting in a lot of goals for them. Dominic Calvert Lewin. This guy has uh, how many goals is it that he has? He's got six goals in his first three games. A hat trick in one, uh, I believe a brace in another. It it was he's doing so well and playing alongside Richarlison. These two have been banging in goals left and right and this Everton team really is scaring me from how good they are. It it really is. Um I think that between Leeds and Everton, I can't wait for them to play because yeah. these are two teams that have I mean, Leeds is coming from relegation. They're coming from 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 the from the second league. Yeah. And Everton is a team not very consistent. Sometimes they have a good game. Sometimes they don't. And so this is a. Uh, I I just can't wait for them to play. This yeah. it's going to be an incredible incredible matchup. Uh, another game uh, that we were surprised to when we were watching it. Maybe maybe an upset for some of you. I know we have some viewers who love Manchester United. Where they lost 3-1 to they Crystal Palace. They lost 3-1 to Crystal Palace. And former Manchester United player Wilfred Zaha was at the helm of that game. Yeah. Crystal um, Palace opened up the scoring in the seventh minute from Townsend. And then uh, Wilfred Zaha got a penalty in in the 74th. Donny van de Beek, uh, debutant, made a transfer from Ajax to Manchester United. Surprisingly, didn't start the game. Started off on the bench, but came on. Scored in, scored on his debut, his debut goal in the 80th minute. But Zaha got it back and did it in the 85th, and and ended up three to one. And this game was probably very disheartening for Manchester United fans. Yeah, I mean Manchester United has been such a good club over the last let's say 20 years. And the last let's say last year they ended up really bad. This year they're in 16th place, and I mean. They have to find some rhythm. I think Arsenal found it, and Manchester United lost it, and now they got to bring it back. Maybe bringing in a new manager, maybe bringing in some other signings, some veterans, I think would bring back some stability in this club. You know, and I think the biggest thing that is messing up this Manchester United team is that back line. Oh, definitely. David De Gea has been... On a downfall for the past few seasons. He's very inconsistent. Maguire? Harry Maguire has one season there, and he's their captain, and I don't understand <laughs> that. But but he, he had that whole scandal uh, in Greece with the, yeah, with, the, with the law, and he hasn't been the same since. Victor Lindelof, you know, Aaron Wan-Bissaka didn't even play that game. Which I was very shocked because I, th- I think he's one of their best players. Luke Shaw. We haven't Luke seen Shaw. Luke Shaw play in a long time, and suddenly he's starting for the no. for the first team. And, and I saw and and we'll get this we'll get to this later. But 
against Spurs, Luke Shaw was absolutely atrocious. Mm. He was he was lost, and I he didn't know where he was. He he didn't follow his man, and I think a replacement if there needs to be a replacement in that Manchester United team, it's either at center back or it's at well. I think left back. I think I think that the I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer jumped too quickly into the season. Maybe didn't communicate enough with his uh, team with his defense because you're starting out Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, Lindelof, and Fosu Mensah. And those four have never played together in their lives. Maybe Maguire and Lindelof, but I mean those two—the the right back and the center and the left back—they've never played before ever. And so I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer really missed a key step between practice and game. And I think that there needs to be some kind of communication going on between the, the manager, change, yeah. some type of change. And so I, I get, I don't know. I guess um, Manchester United needs to find their rhythm back. Yeah, like and what I, soon. Like, yeah, but I'm looking at the lineups here, and I'm seeing Zaha was being guarded by Danny James and Fosu Mensa, and that is just atrocious. Zaha is a top quality. I think one of the most underrated players in this Premier League. Yeah. Because he isn't playing for that great of a team, but if you put him against uh two, on. Inexperienced yeah, players. Yeah, unexperienced players. Slow. Yeah. He's Slow just, just going to destroy you, and that's what we saw. Yeah, he caused surprised. the penalty, and he scored. That's and if we're insane. And if we're talking about players that we haven't seen play and that don't have chemistry, Daniel James, we haven't seen since before the restart. So I don't know what has been, what's going on at Manchester United, but it definitely needs to change. It needs to change fast if they want to keep their Champions League spot. Another shocking game was Manchester City versus uh, Leicester. 5-2 to the Foxes. And it was the first time that a Pep Guardiola side conceded five goals, ever. Not I mean, with that's... Barca, not with Bayern. First time with City. I mean, that was that was pretty pretty impressive from, from Leicester City. Um, But was, was it? I mean... It, I mean, the Foxes did well. They did very, they did very well. They did very well. I think it must have but, been that I expected more from Pep Guardiola, more yeah. from Manchester City. And, and you know what? Three penalties, conceding three penalties. Yeah, that was you that was that. that was very that was very three stupid penalties. on on the side of um. Yeah, I mean, the back line. Yeah, this is an, yeah. This is another team that doesn't have a very consistent back line. I think some of the biggest teams in this league don't have a very consistent back line, and now they're bringing in other players. Uh, one of the players that did play this game and that are in the back line is Ake. But I think they signed Ruben Diaz. Yeah, and but I that think, was after. Yeah, yeah, after. Because they saw probably how inconsistent this back line is. But come on. $400 million on defenders. For Benjamin Mendy, Kyle Walker, America Laporte, John Stones, all of those guys. $400 million, And they lose 5-2 against the Leicester City side. Again, Complete perks to Leicester City. Jamie Vardy, a hat trick. You know, he's having his party. James Madison's goal was out of the top drawer. If That was maybe one of the best goals we've seen throughout the past months. Well, Leicester City went from 5-2 win against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City to a 3-0 loss to West Ham. Exactly. So I'm just thinking, if this, it's, it's not even about Leicester. they're a better team. It's about inconsistency because Leicester City 
They just went out there motivated to win against a big team, and that's what they did. And Manchester City were lacking. I guess they must have gotten too full of themselves. Absolutely. Maybe, hey, we beat Pep Guardiola, we beat Manchester City, we just beat one of the best teams in, in Europe, in the world. Hey, this will be easy. West Ham? Oh, no, 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 no. This won't, this won't be as hard. We've beaten, we've beaten Manchester City. We've beaten some top-quality teams. This will be easy. 3-0 loss. I mean... And then Manchester City tied to uh, Leeds United one to one. Rainy day. That was that was a really good game too. It was a very good game. Rodrigo got a good goal. Sterling had a nice a nice goal. But two two football masterminds in Marcelo Bielsa and Pep Guardiola, and that and that was a very impressive game between the two. Um, but in match week four on a Sunday, two very very big games, Luca. All right, the first so one. first one we got Man United versus Tottenham, and this was going to look like a good game. Again, Man United haven't been consistent, and they haven't been playing good. But to be honest, Tottenham hasn't been playing that amazing either. But we expected it to be a really close game. Yeah. Not even really, just like maybe a 3-1. But it ended up with a crazy scoreline of 6-1 with a red card of Anthony Martial and the... um. In the 28th minute, six goals. I mean, Ndombele, who got signed from Lyon. Hyunmin Son, which is another great player. He got a brace. Yeah. Harry Kane, another brace. And Serge Aurier. This was such, such a crazy game. And we were talking about the back line against Crystal Palace. Maybe they, maybe Ali saw it as well, and he changed things up. Eric Bailly comes in for Victor Lindelof. Maguire stays the same, and he's still captain. Luke Shaw stays the same, and I think that was the biggest mistake of the day. But Aaron Wan-Bissaka actually started, so that's that was good for them. Uh, earlier in the last match week, they uh, United had another very controversial game in which they won 3-2 in the very, very, very last minute. <laughs> uh, the penalty was awarded after the whistle had blown. Which that's is an understatement. Such a such a United thing, I would say. But uh, they they got they got the penalty after the whistle had blown. Bruno Fernandez slots it home, and I think it's very unfair to Brighton. Well, here's here's what happened. Back. Here's what happened. I think it was off of a corner kick. One of the Manchester uh, Manchester United players got the header, hit off of one of the Brighton uh, defenders. The ref didn't see it. Blows the final whistle. Three whistles. Game is over. And then the Manchester United fans come over to the ref and start. Uh, they they just start arguing over over the play, so the ref decides to go to VAR, and he sees the handball, blows the whistle, and somehow continues the game. I have never seen seen this ever in the history of football, ever. I don't even think this is a rule, right? Because I don't think there's a rule against it because it's just. It's something that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The referee blew the whistle. It's That's over. that. Game's over. The game's over. Right. He, did, he didn't see anything. He's like, okay, game's over. I understand. I understand. It's something shocking, but you do have to, you do have to think. The fact. This is very hard on the referee because the referee needs to decide whether to pull back the game and and give the penalty, which is what he did, or to not give the penalty. Say that the whistle has been blown, and have 
so much controversy backed up on him. It's a very hard decision. Probably get fired. I mean, yeah. I mean, the whistle's been blown. I know, How about we just go back to Maradona's hand of God moment, re-blow the whistle, give the uh, disallow the goal, and just give it to Germany. But it's different because now VAR it's really is not different game. though. Because I mean, it's the the referee's blown the whistle. And I mean, that's that. I th- yeah, I but I it was the, it, the game was over. But it goes I, back. It, it goes back to what we were saying. VAR needs to. There needs to be a decision. I think on he had whether, to call it from yeah, like because I, he's gonna get thousands and th- maybe even I mean, millions. I mean, of then again, the referee people, doesn't even have to listen to the players. He'll probably I know, get fined. I know, but, but it's, he'll it's probably get, again. It's in. It's in in the moment decision, and you need to realize. Well, let's well, go. Let's go back to Sheff- let's go back to Sheffield United versus Aston Villa. And we see that that was a clear. He did in that case. He didn't call it, and it was a clear error, and it was an error in the news, and people were angry about it, and they started petitions to get it back, and it wasn't. So I mean, to avoid that a, problem, I believe thing. that's what the referee did. These are what the inconsistencies of VAR and refereeing yeah. are in the Premier League, and maybe even the, all the top five leagues. But let's go back to Tottenham versus Man yeah. United. They I, had the lead in the second minute. Got a penalty, which is a very Manchester United thing to Bruno do. Bruno Fernandes, of course, the only home. way he'll score a penalty. Uh, yeah, uh, we've seen we've seen him score a lot of penalties. He scored <laughs> in the second minute. Two minutes later, Tangi and Dombele gets his goal, and from there, Tottenham were off. Three minutes later, Hyungmin Son gets his. In the thirtieth, Harry Kane, boom, an assist from Son, I believe, and then seven minutes later, another Son goal. Harry Kane, and then. 4-1 at halftime. It was the first time ever, not 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 with Sir Alex Ferguson, not with the class of 92, nothing. The first time ever that Manchester United conceded four goals in the first half of a game at Old Trafford. It was crazy. And that just goes to show you about this squad. Because going back to what I was saying, Luke Shaw had me... Had me pulling my hair. Oh yeah. I'm not. I'm not a massive Manchester United fan. I'm not a Manchester United fan at all. But I know. I know. Not a bad player, but a. a how do I? How do I say this? A player who's had a bad game. When I see one, and th- he was lost. Eric Lamela came off, and it was Lucas Moura who came on, and in that entire second half. That entire second half. Lucas Mora was just turning up the right side. Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw was almost right next to Harry Maguire. And I don't know if he was just trying to help him cover Harry Kane or in the midfielder uh, Tangi and Dombele, but the entire right side was right, wide open. And Lucas Mora is was, very fast. He's very very exactly. Fast. And and they and they um, took advantage of that because. In the 51st minute, I believe, Serge Aurier goes up the right side, and he had miles of space. Musa Sikotsoko plays it in, to a ball, into space, right at the edge of the box. Serge Aurier has no one on him. He drives in, takes three steps into the box. Luke Shaw still hasn't challenged him, and he slots it home, and it's easy. And I think that there needs to be a change in that left back position, I think it's one of the most important, important uh, replacements the that Manchester United need to make. Finally, the last Premier League game that we'll talk about: Aston Villa versus Liverpool. And what? I 
absolutely this is, loved this game. Liverpool, I know they were coming out here. I bet they were coming out here thinking, okay, Aston Villa, like what, um... Like Leicester, Leicester. With, with West Ham. Yeah, they were like, okay, we're good. We just won the league, and we're just going to smash these guys. Aston Villa is like, oh, no, no. Stop thinking that way. And Aston Villa plays absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. Getting the first goal in the fourth minute, Oli Watkins, who actually played a phenomenal game, getting a hat-trick. He scored in the fourth, the 22nd, and the 39th. At the 35th, John McGinn got a 35th minute goal. Ross Barkley with another great finish. And Jack Grealish, who got two goals that were, I say, deserved. He played absolutely amazing. He passed it. I think he got a few assists. Salah tried his best, but... Aston Villa won 7-2. Pro. And seven, I don't think I've ever seen this from this good of a team. This overall good. They signed so they Santiago, who's an, a, one of the best players from Spain, a midfielder. And, I mean, this is crazy. Thiago Look, was out. Mane was out. But still, it's out. I'm not, I'm not excusing Liverpool. I'm not a Liverpool fan at all. I think this was impressive from the villains. But to be fair, they were missing... Both Thiago and Sadio Mane, two of their biggest players, from uh, they were diagnosed with COVID nineteen. They were missing Alisson from injury. I'm I'm not excusing them at all. In fact, I applaud Aston Villa for winning such an impressive game by such an impressive scoreline. Seven two. Van Dyke was there. Their entire back line was there. Trent Alexander Arnold, Andy Robertson, Van Dyke, Joe Gomez was there. Their midfielder, their midfield wasn't very lacking. They had Fabinho and Wijnaldum and Keita. Up top, Diogo Jota goes in for Sadio Mane. He's a top-class player. Firmino and Salah stay in. I am not excusing Liverpool at all. I just think, I can't help but think, if this game had been very, a little bit different, if Alisson were back, if Mane and Diago were back. I mean, I don't think so. Diago, I don't think, has fully fit in yet. Right, he's that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, he's just, he's new here. I mean... England is a very different place. They're super tough, and they fight super hard. Every game, they're going to fight. And I think Mane is a big part, but they did have Jota, and they also had Shakiri, who could have came off the bench and probably changed the game if they put him on earlier. Well, I think it's just Klopp. I mean, I think it's just their team. I think it's just their team being overly confident. I think, yeah, I think a lot of Premier League teams have, have gotten the hang of Liver the way Liverpool play. And I think uh, perks perks to Villa. And honestly, Jack Grealish impressed me so much. A hat-trick of assists, two goals, an impressive game. He finally He's finally getting his England call-up that he deserves. So I think we're, we're going to see a lot from him. But we've been evading this specific team for a little while. Because we, we, we wanted to leave this for last. Chelsea. And yeah, we're talking about Chelsea. Chelsea spent over two hundred and thirty million in this transfer market. They got Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, and those are two promising young players. And I, I have to say, they're not playing as thought we, as good as they, we thought they would be playing. Yeah, I, I expected more from both Germans, and not only them, but Hakim Ziyech, who got injured in training, which is a very big setback. Ben Chilwell made his debut a few days back, uh, I think in the last match. Thiago Silva made a very, very 
not not a very good debut. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Chelsea has been playing good. They had the they had a three one lead uh, win against Brighton. They did have the two nil loss against Liverpool, but then they had a three three draw comeback from West Brom. That was a big. And game. then the four nil win against Crystal Palace. I mean, they've been playing well. Just not as well. Just as not expect. as well as we would expect with all of those signings that Frank Lampard uh, came in with. So I mean, you'd expect them to have drawn with Liverpool two two, somewhere around that. They did have a red card, but still, I, you would have expected Chelsea to do a bit better. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that West Brom game. I mean, they were up three zero, and you'd think as a team with that much experience with Conte who I think won the league with Leicester back in 2015-16. And those guys have experience. They have experienced center backs. They were up 3-0. I think a team of that caliber should hold, maybe even extend a 3-0 lead to maybe 5-6. Because this season, we've been seeing a lot of 5-6 to six goal games. Right, but it was it was a very bad bad first half, I would say, from, from Chelsea's defense. Thiago Silva, like I said, had a few mistakes. So the fact that they could pull it back from 3-0 down at halftime to tie it 3-3, perks from Chelsea. Um, but I, I just think Kai Havertz has to adapt. Timo Werner, to, to be fair, has been doing well, but I think specifically Kai Havertz has to uh, adapt. To the toughness. To, to the, yeah, to the, to the higher speed and intensity that is the Premier League. But that, that's all for the Premier League. And lastly, we're going to go to, we're going to head over to the Serie A to Italy to talk about the start and some exciting games that have been going on in Italy. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Serie A. I mean, Serie A has been a very predictable league over the last few years because of Juve's dominance. But, I mean, it's been, right now, Atalanta is at the top of the standings. They, I think they've won their last three out of their last five games, and they haven't even played two of those. So they've won three, they've played three. And they've won three. That's insane. I mean, Milan is also second. Sassuolo, Inter. Juventus isn't even top seven. Because top seven is Benevento. You expect more from Juventus. They They drew their first game, which isn't something you expect from the Turin team. But they, they won their second. So right now they're sitting, like you said, in eighth place. But this Atalanta team has, to be fair, have had some... Some pretty tough games. They they beat um, where is that? They beat Torino, which is a very easy team, four uh, two in their first game. Then they went over to Rome and beat Lazio four one. So that that was another impressive result. They beat Cagliari five two. We know this is a very high scoring Atalanta team, but this is something else yeah what they made it pretty they made it pretty far in the champions league so we yeah, were like really, okay yeah. this team has some good potential in three games they've scored 13 goals <laughs> that's something and they've conceded only five like 13 goals in three games that's that's an average of over four goals per game that is something incredibly impressive from atalanta and i think if they keep up this performance Juventus are definitely going to have... A run for their money. Yeah, and, and another team I'm excited uh, to see, Rafa and Luca, Inter Milan. They, they, they made it to the final of the, Euro- the Europa League last season. Lukaku is back on form. Lautaro Martinez stayed. They made some signings of Arturo Vidal. They got in 
Hakimi from Real Madrid. So this team is looking so, so, so promising. And I can't wait to see how far they can make it. They've only, they're only in fourth place though. But we have to end with Sarah and go to big transfers. Because there's been tons of them. There's been um, James Rodriguez, who we already talked about for Everton, I who's been playing phenomenal. Impressive impact onto the Merseyside team. Van de Beek, he uh, went to Manchester United, which, by the way, he did say that he wanted to go to Manchester United over Tottenham because he wanted to win some trophies. I would, I would right love now. to see his his face, his reaction after that uh, after that six one six one massacre. One massacre. Uh, Thiago Silva. from PSG to Chelsea, Sane from Manchester Free. City to uh, Bayern. Uh, Bayern Munich. Definitely making an impact there. Bale finally loaned to Spurs. Finally, I know many Spurs fans are happy with that. And Real Bale Madrid, maybe even happy. yeah, maybe even some Real Madrid fans are, are happy. Maybe some are disappointed because Bale was a top top winger, top player. I mean, a few years he, he should have. He no, he still is. He he should have shined at um, shown yeah. should have shined shown at Real Madrid, and Zidane didn't let him. He didn't play him at all. Right, another, and another. I'm glad he left to Spurs. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be happier back at his old club. Uh, next, we have Sandro Tonali to Milan from Brescia. Uh, that Brescia one's got, been rumored Brescia for a long got time. Re- relegated, and he officially signed the contract a few days back to AC Milan. David so, Silva got to um, Real Sociedad. Yeah, he, he ended his contract at yeah, Manchester City. He finally retired at Manchester City. A lot of trophies, to... I gotta say, from the young magician. Mm-hmm. We said Hakimi to Inter Milan from his after being loaned out to Dortmund. Uh, Real Madrid sold him to Inter Milan, like I said. Antonio Conte is such a great manager, and I'm sure he can make a big impact on him. We Thiago have, left Bayern Munich to go to yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I feel like the goodbye wasn't as warm as I, I thought the, it would have been. Yeah. I mean, he, he he played really good. He then. he was a he was maybe not a club legend, but he he did. He's a crucial part of he that was team. A, he was a crucial. Yeah, part. He one was. of the best so, I mean, midfielders that we've seen since you know Schweinsteiger and Philip Long. Like, mm-hmm. He was he was a big part. Um, but and and only for twenty million to buy him—that's an absolute bargain from Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, but now, last but not least, uh, another signing from uh, Barcelona. Or, or, or a rumor. A, a rumor, but one. it's probably gonna happen because he wants to leave Lyon. Uh, Defy. He that might is, go to Barcelona. That, and, um, well, we know we know Ronald Koeman definitely likes his fair share of German play of I mean Danish. Dutch Dutch players. Oh. So. Uh, having having Memphis Depay up top could maybe make this change that team. Yeah, yeah, and and to be honest, this Barcelona team could have its own section when it comes to transfers. Giving like getting rid of what was it, Ivan Rakitic, Arturo Vidal. It uh, he got rid of who else? Uh, Nelson Semedo to Wolves, forty million. Luis Suarez left the team, of course. So this this. This club, uh, oof, they're I, up and down. Yeah, it's and they they've to be fair they've made some signings, but some of these the, some of those signings I don't even know of. Pedri and Francisco Trincao, those were some really really. Well, I think Trincao. I watched some of his highlights after he got signed, and this guy looks like another like a, maybe even a better Joe Felix. So yeah. I think Portugal is bringing out some good prospects. 
Uh, Barca also signed Serginho Dest, which is what we said earlier. He's looking promising as well. Um, a U.S. international. Yeah, but but we'll be we'll be watching this entire uh, Barca side, and not only Barca side, but all of Europe's big teams and big leagues, and we'll be informing you in the next episode of Football Avenue. Thank you so much for listening. Do you have anything to add? Um, Thanks for watching. You, we hope you enjoyed. Yeah. Peace out. Peace.